everybody. How you doing? And welcome to another episode of the John Riley Project. And, and I'm really pleased to have as my guest today, this is a gentleman that actually is, is vying for a candidacy in the district where I live. So this is a, an opportunity I've been looking forward to. And it's Kevin Jusa. How are you doing, Kevin? Doing great, John. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, great to have you here. And uh, you know, we met uh, it was about a couple of weeks ago for a cup of coffee, just kind of get to know you. Right. Um, but um, I'm, I'm, thanks for coming in. No, I appreciate it. I didn't know the green room was so great here. I would have came early. <laughs> yeah. We have like M&Ms back there and we have all the right colors. Exactly. And yeah, yeah. It's all good. So um, anyways, I just want to just chat with the audience here before we get started. And you're all welcome to join us in this podcast. This is an interactive community event here. So um, if you're watching the live stream on either YouTube or on Facebook, you can type in a question, type in a comment. We'll see them up here on the screen. Maybe you have a question for Kevin or there's an issue that's of concern to you. Just type them in on YouTube, Facebook. We'll see it. We'll read your questions and comments on the air. We'll do our best. You know, that, that Hiram podcast from uh, last week, Hiram Soto, I mean, the, the chat board was just lighting up, you know, <laughs> so it was hard for us to keep track of it all. But we're going to do our best to try to take everybody's questions. So Sounds great. Okay. So um, let's, let's get started this way with Kevin, with you. Um, tell me just a little bit about your, your background, your backstory, where you grew up, a little bit about your family. Okay, no problem. I'm from uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. That's where my father still resides, right outside Indianapolis. Um, But I grew up a lot. My dad was not a military man, but we we moved like eight, nine times as a kid because he was in in corporate America. And and then once I got my degree, I actually moved to Northern California officially my first time out of out of Indiana, and I was the regional director for H and R Block. Oh, nice. And so our district manager at that time, but then I got promoted to district manager there. Mm-hmm. And the best sales job I ever did was to move my California wife to Minnesota. Oh, that wouldn't have been a, that's a tough sell. Yeah. <laughs> we, we did, we did, I won for three years, and then we had to go back home. Okay. <laughs> and then about 15 years ago, we moved down here to San Diego, um, and we had our, our, my twin daughters, our twin daughters here um, in San Diego, and I first lived right over in RB right off the 15. And so... Um, and then about uh, seven, six and a half years ago or so, we moved to Poway, just right by Silverset Park. Okay, right on. Yeah, that's a great community out there. What, yeah. Ran- Rancher Arbolitos, right? Yes. Yeah, so good for you. Yeah, um, I remember doing a lot of girls' softball practices there at <laughs> Silverset, you know. So, yeah, it's a great park there. So that's great. So um, you're, you're married. You have two children. Um, and where in Northern California were you from? Uh, I moved originally to Santa Rosa, mm-hmm. and then I moved to actually San Francisco. I actually owned a house in San Francisco for a short time. In the city? In the city. Wow. Yeah, I was, I was, I was like an accomplishment. That's a huge deal. <laughs> yeah. But then that's when I got promoted and got hired to come down here to San Diego just 10 months later. Okay. So I didn't stay there long, but it was a, it was a great time. Right on. Well, I mean, that's something maybe we share, because my roots are all in the Bay, Bay Area, Area, San Francisco, the whole thing. So, yeah. yeah. So, but you know. I prefer San Diego. It sounds like you do too, right? <laughs> the weather's good. Yeah, you can't hate it. So let's let's go in and really talk a little bit about your candidacy for Poway City Council. Why why did you decide to to throw your hat in the ring? Why are you running? Well, I had to first talk to my family, make sure this is something we wanted to do. Uh, as you know, I ran four years ago for a different office, the the school board. Um, and I had a chance at that time. My family was younger. My kids were younger. They were able to really help out and be involved in it. But we had to really sit down and think about, it. is this the right time for me to actually get more involved? 
And with the open seat happening, I figured it's time for a new voice to get on the city council. And one thing I've learned in my, all the activities I've done and community service I've done is I'm good at leadership and I'm good at listening to people. I'm good at trying to find good solutions that everyone can appreciate. And so that's one thing I, why I decided, you know, it's time for me to step up and see if I can make a difference. Yeah, good for you. I mean, and it's, um, it's interesting because it's rare that there's a seat open right. on the city council. I mean, all of our existing incumbents have won at least once before, some multiple times, some three times, right? right? The two that are being, re- being open right now are 12 years apiece. Right. So it's, it's, it's rare for there to be an opportunity. And for you know, people like you that are interested in getting involved, yeah, this is a perfect situation. Right. Yeah, so good for you. Um, you know, there's just there's so much going on in our city, right? I mean, people have um, lots of concerns about all kinds of topics. Let's let's kind of, if you don't mind, let's kind of jump to what I think is the the issue that really gets most people kind of hot and bothered, and it's what's going on on Poway Road. Um, so there's what three different projects that are under development. Well, one of them is stalled, Two finished, right, and one stalled, and yep, yeah. And the Commons is. Are they done with the commons? They don't, they're not done yet, okay. right? They're very close. They're getting close. <laughs> yeah. They haven't really started the Fairfield project. So give me a, your perspective on the Poway Road development. What do you like? What do you dislike? You know, share with me your thoughts. Sure. When I started um, the candidacy, that was the first thing I heard from somebody. I was walking door and a, and a lady goes, I've been here since 1945, and I can't believe what the current city council and mayor has done to Poway Road. That's the quote. And I was like, um, sorry, you know, that <laughs> wasn't my fault. And that's kind of why I'm here to try to improve the conversation. Because was it 2017, 2018, when the Poway Road plan was, was approved and signed by the current mayor, mm-hmm. it designed out what it was going to look like, which gave a, a game plan of, for developers to say, okay, this is what the city wants. This is how we can make the community an accessible um, environment so people can come out and and do commerce and live in more of a centralized location. It, it looks great. If you got a chance, look at the plan on site. It's it's pretty good. But what has came out of it isn't even doesn't seem close to what the purpose was of that road. Yeah, it it, it seems like there was this. Well, it, you know, they were talking about this two and a half decades ago. Right. You know, and in the nineties about this re re envisionment of of Poway Road. And they had broken into all these different zones. And then the the presentation originally was that it was going to be this sort of utopian, um, you know, live and work and walkable and, and this downtown that Poway never really had. Right. Um, and it just seems like they, they had this vision, but then there's been so many alterations to the plan along the way. Um, I mean, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? I, I would love to see more of those alterations and variations to the plans to be more public and not hidden behind the, the director, of the, the, the employees of Poway, people working in the development office. I think those, those things should come out. If they're going to move the height of a, sto- a, a building to four, four stories high, there's, there's things you have to give and take to, for that to happen. I can't find out what we got 
for those things to happen. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think those those things are what's surprising the people is that setback off the road and the height of these buildings. And they maybe were appropriate, but there's a lack of communication and involvement of our community to embrace it and be along the journey with it instead of suck it up. It'll be fine when it's over with. Yeah. it's It seemed like it really caught a lot of people off guard mm-hmm. the minute the construction began, you know, especially when they started going vertical, right? you know, because we, everyone kind of knew something was happening. Everyone saw the, the land movers kind of clearing the space and moving the dirt around. But yeah, once they went vertical, especially the, the building there that's right across the street from Taco Bell right. on Terrascan and Poway Road, I mean, right. it's like right up to the edge of the sidewalk. Right. Um, the trees actually are taking over the sidewalk too. They had to cut the trees into the sidewalk, mm-hmm. like they had to put them there somewhere. Right. So, how? You know, I remember in the 2018 cycle when we were talking with a lot of the candidates that are running for office, they they had a sense that there was going to be no setbacks. Now I don't know if that was precisely in the plan or if it was being discussed, but it's almost like there was some semblance of people knew that was going to happen, but they didn't really understand the reality of what that was going to be when it was actually built. Well, if you look at the plan, there was supposed to be some some street parking along the the, the road too to kind of bring people in. Mm-hmm. And that would I could see a no setback there when you're already giving 10 feet for a car mm-hmm. or 16 feet for a car to come in. You know that would keep, that I would kind of open up the space. It feels like it's you're, you're going down a hallway right now in, in Poway Road. You know yeah. it's it doesn't. When you go down the other direction for the older developments, there's road. There there may be a setback, maybe five feet further back, but it's only one story and it has a tree that canopies over it, which makes it soft and inviting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm really sad that we won't be able to see the horizon as much anymore because those the height of that building is at least the ones that are on the south side of Poway. Mm-hmm. It's going to hide some of the flavor of the community. You know, the city and the country feel is we're not going to see those things. Yeah, I think they were originally talking. I mean, again, this is way back. Right. This is before the Great Recession. They were talking about actually having diagonal parking on Poway Road. Right. But then that would have re- really narrowed it. I mean, it really would have bottlenecked it. But they wanted to have that downtown, that walkable area, like a lot of other downtowns and a lot of other cities are like. Right. But then they were trying to figure out, well, where are we going to redirect the traffic and and then all of a sudden, it just sort of turned into something different, you know. So well, Scripps Parkway, Parkway Parkway was supposed to be that avenue, right, artery, right, well, to push the people through that area that to go to Ramona instead of going through downtown Poway. Yeah, from Ramona to the 15 for sure was Scripps Poway Parkway. But I think they it, they even had at one time a plan that they were going to have a road like maybe parallel to Poway Road, but one block south that was going to maybe redirect. Uh, traffic around this mythical downtown. Um, But again, that was sort of when people were sort of sketching out ideas. Uh, Well, that's that's probably why the city hall is placed where it is, because they're probably hoping people would drive by that more often than hide it behind, Mm -hmm. you know, the big big strip center there. And you kind of have this big monument, this big, beautiful building that represents our city Mm -hmm. with a lot of history in there and a lot of uh, just a I think it's a great looking building for our city. But no one sees it unless you're going to the to the city. Yeah. You know. Yeah. When did they build that? I think that was probably built like in the 90s, I think. Um, So. You're right. It, it's kind of tucked in the back, which is unusual for a city hall. Usually, but if it's, you're going to put a road there, then that would make sense. Then that would make sense. Yeah. But still, that road's only 
it's not that wide to really be a, a thoroughfare for people to go through that space. So when we talk about Poway Road and you know, there's a lot of people that are upset about traffic. They're upset about do we have enough infrastructure? Do we have enough capacity in the schools? Like you said, some people are upset about the view. Um, are you finding that that is a – these are common objections by most of the people you're interacting with in your district? Or are there just some like a vocal minority and most other people don't pay much attention to it? I think it's more the aesthetics of what the, the power road looks like more than anything else. Um, they're fearful of the next steps when those apartments and condos are filled up and they have, you know, we're worried about water. Is there gonna enough water for us? Is there going to be what's, you know, what's the, the traffic going to be like? Are they going to are they going to tag a light so it doesn't stop everybody every every 40 feet? They got to mm-hmm. stop, you know, that kind of slowing down the traffic and, and really um, conge- making more congestion to that road. Mm hmm. I mean, it seems like it's a legitimate concern. I mean, I, you know, gosh, it was like almost 30 years ago. Oh, my gosh. Um, I used to live on the end of Garden Road. And and for us to go from the end of Garden Road all the way to the 15 freeway, I mean, it was like running the gauntlet, you know, back then, you know, in the mid-90s to the mid-2000s when we lived back there. And and now it's going to be even more challenging because they're going to put in a few more um, stoplights along the way, right? They haven't said that publicly yet, but you got to consider that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I think that was one of the topics that was being discussed with the Fairfield project. Right, so, they had to put some sort of special timing on the on the lights to make it so it does go through. I think until we start, I think the city council has got to the point where they don't trust everything that say that could be coming. Mm-hmm. They want to see some of the stuff, the relief that actually supports the 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 current the current uh, population of Poway, not the future population of Poway. <laughs> right. Here, here's an angle to this story that it was interesting when you and I met for coffee at Starbucks. You shared this idea about the city council um, as sort of being the master planners of the community right. and how if we are going to work with developers, you, you wanted to negotiate with them. You wanted like if we're going to give you this, then we got to get that, that there needed to be a give and take. And so can you share with me some of those ideas well, when you look at the, the the plan, if they wanted to go higher, there's a there's structured in place for them to ask for variances, saying, "Hey, I, for me to get what I need, the, the development the land's a little more than we different what we didn't think. So we want to add, uh, you know, we need more space for a sidewalk or less space for a sidewalk, and, and then then if we give that to them, then we need a community benefit to come back. It's got to be a give and take where it says if we give you something to help you build your build build your property up." then we need to have something as a community get something out of it to help us, like better paths or more parking, more parking, more uh, parks and things like that. That brings the community out. Mm-hmm. Well, that was that was the you, well, you kind of hinted at it earlier. You know, the the developers, at least for Fairfield, they got to go from three to four stories. And like you said, what, what did the community get? Right. Well, they got. I think. If I'm correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not a hundred percent. Okay, that's all right. So, that's okay. But if they they were get, they had to buy the. The tire place, right? Mm-hmm. The buying the tire place made it one whole piece instead of two separate properties. Mm-hmm. So that was what they got. And to get the four feet, they, Poway wanted it to be a one large parcel instead of two parcels. So the city got – that's not a community benefit to make <laughs> one large pro- – and then basically they turned around and gave the, the tire shop, which is a great store, you know, a longer lease and can still stay there. It, it, it doesn't add up. Mm. Yeah, it, it – it's, it's an interesting topic because 
I mean, let's let's, let's talk a little bit about um, the the. Uh, why am I spacing on the name? The hole in the ground. <laughs> the yes, I said that in front of the city council. They didn't like. No, it. no, they don't like uh, that name. <laughs> Uh, I, I want to say the outback, but I know that's not right. Outpost. I'm, the outpost. Thank you. Okay, so w- w- the outpost project has been a really kind of an unusual thing, right? I mean, they they had this idea for underground parking, two levels of it, which right. sounded great, so yeah. we wouldn't have street parking. And yeah. but it was near great the great restaurant there. We another we'd have a great restaurant as brand yeah. name and. The urge was going to come in with their with their pub. I was like excited because I I love the urge. Oh yeah, urge is great. Yeah, yeah. I can, I can get Racer Five there. That's one of my favorite beers. <laughs> Mine's a Pliny. Okay. Uh, so yeah, if they if they were there, and then there was going to be a food court. There was going to be, um, you know, a, a gym. You know that we can go to after we drink beer, so we can kind of work it <laughs> off. And then uh, and then there was housing. Right there was like one, two, three bedroom apartments or condos that were all blended together. Right. Yeah, I think when that was announced, everyone's like, hey, right on. Bring it on. That seems like an upgrade. And that was sort of like the groundbreaking of this whole plan for Poway Road. But then everything went to hell, right? You know, they they hit water. It was flooding. They went out of business. So if you're on city council, how would you handle that? I mean, what would you do to help revitalize or restart the outpost? Or is there anything we can do from a city government perspective? I think as a city government, our job is to communicate with the people. And so when something like this is a, like an eyesore to our community, the main thoroughfare, like next to the biggest intersection downtown in Poway, they need to be updated and say what's going on. This is where we're at. And so when I was at the, the forum with uh, the, the people running, we have a meeting with the, the, all the, uh, city, uh, the city employees telling us this is where we're – the heads of the position mm-hmm. saying this is where we're at. And I asked the question, where are we at? Mm-hmm. And the current status is the people currently purchased it. Um, it bought it out of bankruptcy, and so they have they they're keeping up everything, maintaining everything, and now they're doing what they consider to do. Either they're going to restart it, sell it to some other developer, you know, and, and, or go from there. So it's still, it still it still looks like it's going to be there like that for a while. Um, I then they said, well, you, we, the city council has nothing to do with it because it's private property, yeah. and I'm like, great, it's private property. But if they don't pay their taxes, it becomes city property. Mm-hmm. It's so we got to be prepared to make sure we have our plan in place. And when you talk to the people, the Poway, when I'm out there talking to the on the street, they're saying, are they going to fill it back in? You know, and and what are they going to build there? I go, well, it's, it is private property, and they have a certain amount of time they have to be um, before there is a um, um. The current, the current uh, license they have, the what's it called, the the city permits yeah, for that permit, building, yeah. they have a certain amount of time. If they don't build or start, then they go back to zero. Which yeah. that would be the best for us. So if they get without that time period, then it brings back. So then the city council could then have a have a, a the current or the new city council will be able to have a a voice on whatever goes there and how it's handled in the future. Yeah, I mean that, that kind of makes sense because it is delicate. It, it is private property, but they were issued permits. There was a promise made on both sides that they were going to fulfill that permit and, right. and get it completed. And if everything went sideways, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting how it's going to play out. And, and on one level, it almost seems like it was just horrible luck for the people of Poway, you know, because it was so – it looked so good on paper. And then it all went south so quickly. Um, and then when you combine it with – all the other stuff that's going on. I mean, Poway Road between community and carriage is, it's a lot going on. Right. 
You know, and I think it's that's what's got some of the people sort of rattled. Kind of worried. What is the city going to be like then? Right. When if, it, if it's all concrete, ten feet from the street, how is that going to really create that community? Mm-hmm. It's going to add some great housing. It's going to add some new taxation tax money coming in with all these new buildings and houses and condos. But what we'll be able to provide them? How, what kind of services we'll be able to have for them? How are we going to take all that additional people who are going to live down there, which are going to help all the businesses? One of my platform issues is thriving small businesses. This is great for the small businesses on Poway Road. Mm-hmm. But what can we do to make sure that it, traffic can easily tra- walk through and get to serve those businesses? Mm. Yeah, we, we really don't know yet what businesses are going to be going in into some of those mixed-use right. buildings yet. Right? The first one has like the real estate agent who's selling the spaces has the mixed-use spot. Is that the one right on the corner <laughs> right across the corner. From, the, yeah. from the library? Yeah. I mean, okay. it makes sense for right now. I'm sure somebody else is going to go in there yeah. in time. But it's like fulfilling the mixed-use by having the real estate agent there for the building. Okay. Um, you know, you got to do what you got to do, I guess. Hey, we got some questions coming on the live stream. You want to take a few? Why not? Let's go. Okay. So um, uh, this is uh, from Ed Franklin. You know, Ed's the former president and CEO of the Poway Chamber. Right. And so he has a question. He goes, weren't all the building plans public? That's a good point. Um, they usually are before the meetings mm-hmm. and when they're going. But when, when they're voted on originally, the real question is, how do they get changed? Because they have um, – the people in the, the development office have ministerial rights after it gets approved by this by the the council members. So let's make sure that you know the, the if what changes happen are publicly shared when they have to be fixed in the and maybe they don't have to be voted by the council member because they're ministerially taken care of. But maybe they need to give an update every week when these things change. Mm-hmm. So the community it knows. Well, we approved ten feet. We approved fourteen. Now we're at ten. <laughs> Just be transparent. Just say this is the change that happened due to this. We made this decision because of this. The community just wants to know, and we're reasonable. We we want to know once we understand. You know, there'll still be people that disagree, but at least they know. It's not hidden. That's, that's always a tough thing, you know, because yeah. on one level, the city government you know, has public records, right? And you can look it up if you're willing to do the digging right. on, on how much the plan changed. And there are some people in our community that do that due diligence, they right, yeah. which is incredible. Um, but on the other hand, um, there's a lot of people that are – you know, busy taking their kids to soccer practice and hustling to get to work every day. And, you know, they don't have the time to do the digging. Right. And so then it makes you wonder, is the city is the city meeting the minimum requirement? Is that acceptable if they're just simply making it public record or do they need to go above and beyond to communicate changes to the plan? As a leader and business owner, I've, as I've been in the past and whenever I make a change, I have to over communicate. It's it's not about what what is right or what's wrong. It's what would you want to be if you were the resident owning, mm-hmm. buying the property that's lined up to to the new built construction coming in. Maybe those ten houses did their homework, but they they come in and they speak and they're not listened to, or they're dismissed, or they just wait for the person that's positive and goes with that person's position. But you really, I think the city council, their job is to empathize with every resident and make sure that when the when those projects come in, that they can sit, that that's my house, that's my porch, I'm drinking my coffee every morning, is that what I, what I want to look at? When I purchase the house on a cul-de-sac with no traffic, now I'm going to have traffic. Is that fair for that resident if you were that resident? Yeah, it, it, that's a tough one too, isn't it? I mean, because, um, you know, when they buy it, 
you know, they're buying that reality. But yeah. then reality changes, right? But also when they buy the – when the property wants a developer wants to buy the property, if the city had the plans laid out saying, for this lot, we want the street coming off Twin Peaks going down and you can have your 14 houses there and this is how the city infrastructures get. So your development, we have a plan for you. It's zoned for this and this is what the utilities mm-hmm. are there for. Now develop it. Well, let's, let's take a few steps back because we talked about this when we got together for coffee. What lot are you talking about? Just to give oh. our audience some background on what we are. <laughs> well, the one, the one that I think like two months ago, three months ago, when they finally approved it and they just cut down the tre- trees this week, it was the one that's right across from the Power Unified uh, bus state where the buses are at. There's a vacant lot across the street um, where there is planned to be a development going in there. Yeah, that's always been this big lot. That was sort of amazing that nothing was ever built there. If you go 50 feet over, you'll see another another street, which is straight off Twin Peaks, that has houses in the in the U shape that could have been easily put in right there. Mm-hmm. And they'll be right off Twin. It looked just like it. It's like okay, they made it here. There's the cookie cutter approach. Developers already designed. It's already there. Make it happen. But the city, um, well, the developer didn't want to have the in and out on Twin Peaks. They wanted to go through that cul-de-sac off of Midland, right? Right. To go in and out, and then the, did the city approve that? Yes. Right. And so that's that's the one you're saying. It could, have been, it could have been a through street. Mm-hmm. If if I mean the developers shouldn't tell Poway where they want their streets to be. Mm. It's Poway's job to say this is our street. Right. And currently the entrance is on the far left side or right side of the of the of the lot. Mm-hmm. And you would put the, it in the center, which would give you the distance you need to to be able to monitor the traffic on and off that road. Right. Yeah, that we talked about that when we were going yeah. for a and that, That's an excellent point because the city ultimately should decide where the streets are because that's the that's city's our job. job. That's yeah. the job, the zoning job, yeah. the protecting the, the, the environment of our, of our community. And it's also safety. Mm-hmm. It's safer for a fire truck or ambulance to come off Twin Peaks going down that road right. than having to go around a small cul- street and then do a cul-de-sac and then come back around. I'm just – I'm sorry. That just doesn't make sense to support you know, f- safe issues if they ever arise there. Mm-hmm. That's a fair point. Well, you know, you brought up the issue of, yeah, what if you're in your backyard having a cup of coffee and now suddenly you have to look at something different? Let's talk about the farm in Poway. I was there at the meeting. Because uh, I saw the video clip yeah. of, the, of the couple yeah. and, and the, the lady spoke first and the husband second. And I saw some of the still photography. So they built there. I'm sorry. They moved in. They used to have a view of the golf course. Isn't that the hardest part? Think about it. Those houses were built to look like outside open air. Right. Right. They're built to have. Yeah. I think she said she has five doors that wrap up. You know, they they cl- open up so I have a big because fl- mm-hmm. you have a golf course there. That's right. what you would do. And now go ahead. You know, then they build the. They give them all fences, right? Well, yeah, they, they gave the, the fences went up, but and you could see you know the the frames of the houses going up. And on one level, yeah, that's shocking. On another level, well, they sort of knew that was going to happen because the the, the zoning uh, the zoning ordinance passed. But the controversy that, as I understood it, is that there was supposed to be a certain distance between the property line of the existing homes and of the new homes. And then, again, allegedly, I don't know the detail, that that distance shrunk. And I don't know if the city made that as a as a variance 
or if a rule was broken uh, by the developer? I mean, do you have any insight on that? I have no insight on what happened, Mm -hmm. but it does sound a little interesting to me too that if they were given that variance to move from 40 feet to 20 feet or whatever that distance is, you know, what, what is the developer doing to soften that for them? Um, it sounds like they've asked for trees or some bushes or something because they are they, – it looks straight into their bathrooms. I mean they, the, the, the husband was like – or the wife was saying <laughs> they waved to him when he was in the restroom yeah. and they waved back to him. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> that's just – that's not – that's not the country living that we that those people thought. And I understand the developers won the vote to develop the mm-hmm. old golf course, got that. But then are they treating those citizens that are their neighbors right? And looking at that conversation, I bet there's going to be more of those conversations coming that they're not being good good neighbors. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. And again, it's all allegedly. I mean, I don't right. know I what agree. the rule is. I don't know if the rule was broken. It's what are they going to do, move the house? Yeah. Well, yeah <laughs> <they're not>. sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. My bad. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> right. So if they like, – for example, if, um, if they broke the rule, OK, then there could be some sort of penalty. I mean remember they built that uh, building over by Montgomery Field that was like too tall and they had to yeah. cut it down right, right. because um, it was in the path of the, of the airplanes. I asked worked in that office for a while. You did? I was Ashford – Back in 2010, 15. That's right. It was. Yeah. That was one of the private universities that was there. Yeah. Okay. So it isn't, isn't uh, our current developer one was part of that project? I don't know. Oh, maybe. I I don't don't know. So if, if let's assume for the sake of argument that the developer did not break a rule. Okay. Okay. Well, it's still going to be a shocker mm-hmm. to that family with the five sliding doors and they're looking out and, oh, my God, you know, I've got – now I've got to look at this construction site, et cetera. Um, but then, yeah, if they went too far, I'm surprised the city wouldn't have enforced that because that would be such an – I mean because they, they pay attention to parcel lines and parcel boundaries. I mean that's what the whole GIS engineering department does, right? Right. But it sounds like they're – they, during her presentation, they said that they're, she acknowledged that some of the board members were going to – council members were going to come out to her house and actually look at it. And so that, that's great that they're going to actually see the distance and know the feeling, what it would look like. I mean she was asking for the developers to put cypress trees up or something that can grow tall and quickly to kind of help soften the connection between the two. But on the flip side, I feel bad for that new houses coming in because they're going to have a now five-foot shorter um, backyard because they need to have those trees to give the original owners their privacy, which is the right thing to do. Mm. Yeah, I got another question well, here for a lot you, there. If, if you don't mind. There's a, there's a really good one in here that I want to I bring up. And this is from Pete Neald. Um, and he says that, uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear that Kevin is focused on his district. He listens. That's great. So you're in District 3. Right. So can you describe to the audience roughly where are the boundaries of District 3? Well, District three is like the heart of of, uh, of Poway. You know, we have the two. I think two of the top uh, markers of Poway. One is Twin Peaks. It's on our our emblem. That's in our district. That's in District three. The Twin Peaks Mountains. The peaks are right there. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side of uh, Twin Peaks, you have Old Town. Yeah, where the our our, our the, the farmers markets at yeah, Old Poway, Old yeah. Poway, yeah. and the train track and all that great. It's it the place that I think brings some of the neatest 
the people to our community that actually enjoy our community is those two great places. So we have the heart of Poway in my district. So I go basically up uh, Twin Peaks, all up Pomerado Road to, uh, to to your street out here, um, and then and then we go over to almost Espola, but we kind of gerrymander a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I say that just because it's funny, but that's kind of what you do. Oh, yeah. to, get, to get the numbers to balance out is right behind Poway Road. Mm-hmm. I mean, Poway High School. And then you have um, um, community over to Espola with a few neighborhoods not involved. So. Okay. So, I mean, are you out there knocking on doors? Are you making the, the walks in these small neighborhoods? Trying, I can, but I have I have a bad knee, bad hip. That, but I do a lot but, of hills too. <laughs> it, it's a lot of hills going to your neighborhood, but over by pa- Old Poway, it's flat. Oh yeah, it's flatter there. <laughs> so when you're out talking to constituents in District Three, what are they telling you? What What are the things that are that are bothering them that they like or dislike about our city of Poway? I think everybody's proud of being a Powhegan. They're proud to be living here. They're they're proud to have a home that they can they, they actually afforded and got here and and are living here. Um, I think they're they're just wondering what what's happening and where people can why, why isn't the community leadership talking more and sharing and being transparent of what's going on and they feel like they're just getting a lot of gotchas. Um, I think it's a chance for us to really make a, commu- a connection with our with our community. Um, they do speak about Poway Road, but the hard part is those decisions have been made, and so now we have to do our best to actually live with them and making sure that you put somebody in the city council that's actually going to have a thought for the future and, and bigger things to bring into our community than not just more more condos and apartments, which we need more affordable housing in our community. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's like – um, 18 affordable houses and senior se- senior affordable housing in Poway. Out of 50,000 people, we have 18. You know, mm-hmm. we we could do better because we have all these great. We have Amazon um, uh, warehouse up now on the hill, which is frustrating to people, especially the closer they are to Power Road, they can see it easier. And so it's like, how do we have workers that can commute just three miles to work and make it really a livable community instead of a, a place people drive through down through Poway Road to get to 15 twice a day and live that way through Poway? If you can live and work here, it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're, you know, it's interesting is there are a number. I mean, we're, when Hiram Soto was here, we were talking about Solara, which is kind of right near Hillary Park. Right. And I know there's a is the affordable housing that's sort of roughly speaking behind the movie theaters on Community Road. I think that's affordable housing. And there's ones by home uh, Walmart. Right, kind of um near Old Poway Park, right? And, yep, in Midland High Midland Elementary School. Yeah. I mean, it's well has great services and mm-hmm. easy for them to get around. And then and the, the middle school is just, you know, another walking distance away. So it's it's very well laid out to support them. Well, let's let's talk for a minute about affordable housing. So, you know, everyone agrees that housing is crazy expensive. Okay, right. it doesn't matter if you're buying houses or you're renting a house or renting an apartment, it's crazy. I mean, to live in California, to live in San Diego, to live in Poway. So, what would be your strategy to make housing more affordable in the city of Poway? That's a big yeah, that's a big one. That's a big question. Yeah. If I had a magic wand, yeah, well, how yeah. would I? Well, but, let's, let, let me do that. Imagine you had. We all know you won't have a magic wand if you're one right, of five one on the voice. Yep. But just humor me for a minute. If you could do it, what would you do? I think we'd have a, a we'd have the what land is left to be developed on, 
and what can what can be worked. Um, we also have you bring in new, different developers that that specialize in more affordable housing. That don't specialize in eight hundred fifty thousand dollars condos, but specialize in solar and in more affordable housing. That that we can have a more entry level uh, st- uh, stepping stone for people in our community to support all of our businesses that need uh, that workforce. You know, I, I'd find the places that we can put housing, and then. You know, work towards it. Do the apartments on? I think where they in the mixed use plan of uh, of the Poway plan was to give it a place where we would have housing on top of the grocery stores and using the height of some of those buildings to bring people where they actually would be shopping and eating. And you'd have to be kind of be creative on how you can do that, but which would create more of our feel. You know, when you go down Old Poway Road, mm-hmm. I mean, old Old Town. And you see the the country fields yeah, of that road, right on you know, Midland there, and yeah. they kind of stopped. There's still some potential, some work on the other side of the road that could be happened there. Mm-hmm. That would create more of an anxiety. That that could be a good place where, um, how, how could you do it so it looks right and fits in the in the community, and you'd bring people to to service all those businesses. Yeah, there's actually that dirt lot that's right across from the train depot. Right, that's kind of used for parking. But I remember, like this is going way back, is that our former council member Betty Rexford, I think, had this idea for a an art center that was going to be there. Um, but you're right. I mean, there are a few little pockets here and there um, that could be developed, um, you know, right along that Midland area. You know, there's still the talk of the, that parcel that's kind of near Pomerado hospital. Right. Or I should say Pal- Palomar. What's the right term for it now? Uh, it's changes. I was, that's where I go. Like every, yeah. every two years I get a new letterhead. Yeah. So is it Palomar <laughs> Arch? Yeah. Palomar Healthcare? Yeah. But there is a lot that's kind of in the middle there that right. sort of was an old parking lot, and people have talked about that. And then, of course, you know, there was the idea of making the Big Stone Lodge affordable housing, and that's a whole other sort of can of worms. Yeah, that's, that's another poor management issue right there, I think. I mm-hmm. think. It's a place that could be another heart of the community. It has history. It mm-hmm. connects us to the past, and we're just letting it fall away, fall apart. So once it falls apart, they can, can demolish it and do something else with it then give it to the community as part of their parks. Yeah. You know, I think this is something that we, I hear a lot about online, you know, particularly from Chris Cruz on South and North Poway Votes. She's passionate about this topic, about the about – the, um, what should be done with the old Pomerado um, – why am I spacing on the name? Is it the Pomerado Lodge or, you know, where that historic site? Stone Ridge. No. Oh, you're talking – okay. Under the pressure of the, the light. Exactly. Our, the stagecoach, right? Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah right there. Right, right on there. old Pomerado right, Road. Right, yeah. Right. Okay. So, yeah, this is – Old Pomerado Road. That's yeah. what it's called. So um, that area where they had the, the – um, there used to be a country western bar. Right back in the day, I went there. A couple I watched of times. your podcast. That's how I got more information about how that, what, how, the whole history about that spot. It's so yeah, it's a country it started way back when, just like a stopping stone for people to go to Escondido. Yeah. this was the restaurant or the yeah. place they would they'd refuel, get their horse, get some water, and they'd continue on. Mm-hmm. You know, that could have been the heart of Poway. It could have actually started there and built up from there if they would have let the train come that through that part of town, right? Right. That's what I understand. And so then the country western singer opened it up and and let it run for what about fifteen years? It was it was a lot while, wasn't it? Well, yeah, it was a saloon for a long time, and it was a stagecoach stop, and and then it was yeah, it was like a you know a, a, 
cowboy, you know, boot kicking kind of <laughs> old boy, yeah. you know, country western bar. Um, and uh, that place was rocking on weekend nights. I mean, into the in the 80s and 90s, which is kind of crazy because it's so out of the way. Yeah, it's like it is. It's, it's kind of it's, in a funky spot. It's fun. All the people that live there, I'm sure they, they I, I understand they didn't like all the noise that they were making, but it was there. You know, it's, it's kind of hard, huh? Well, now, you know, the, the building is abandoned and I know the city. I, I don't know how they do this. It's kind of like a shell game. The city of Poway sold it to the Poway Housing Authority and they got it from the state somehow. And all this moving of, of shells. Yeah. Yeah. And so now. They said, well, we could earmark that for affordable housing. And on one level, it sounds interesting. But on another level, people say it's in a floodplain. It's in a floodplain. There's no services there. So where would they get – how they get – you know, there's no bus stop that goes all the way down there because it's just – it's a dead-end stop, mm-hmm. right? So there's, there's no real place for them who need to get in and out of there. Mm-hmm. And so that doesn't make like a good spot. Yeah. So I guess what it comes down to is – That's a spot they're putting it so they can check a box, but no, they can't really build there. Right. Well, there is there is a need to check a box because there. Now I know people don't like hearing this, but there are certain mandates that come down from Sacramento. Yeah, that's yeah. their job, right? Right. Their job is say the state needs this right now, and the communities need to chip in. But some some people get angry with our city council because they think they they think they use that as an excuse that they can kind of blame the other guy. Like, oh, well, we, we're not to blame. Gavin Newsom is forcing this on us, but clearly the city of Poway has great control over what goes on here. They do. Let me, let me ask you another question about housing, and I'm, I'm certain this is an issue in District 3, because a lot of people in District 3, especially on the eastern part of town, have pretty big lots, right? There's like some horse lots and right. things out that way. Um, what are your thoughts on this um, ADU? Uh, you know, the, um, what do they call them? Uh, yeah. Alternative dwelling units, like right. granny flats? What are right. your thoughts on that? It's their land. And it's approved space. So mm-hmm. if, if they if that's what they want to do with that land, that's as long as they follow the you know get the right permits and access to it, that's fine. I I love the horses that are here in Poway. I think that adds to our character. It gives to our peace of mind who we are. I don't know the horses are what they're used to kind of let people uh, relax a little bit, don't they? Mm-hmm. Kind of just seeing a horse in your neighborhood that kind of goes, oh okay, we're we're not moving so fast. We can we can settle down a little bit, enjoy the moment. And I think we can with those large lots. You know, we need to support those equestrian owners and also if, if they want to build on their lot you know as long as it fits in the the, the appropriate rules i can't see why they cannot do it now there are some people taking some of those old farms and making them into great entertainment centers too well, <laughs> there are people Dance halls and their own personal bowling and or stuff and <laughs> well there are people that host concerts in their in, on their property and they'll invite like a few hundred people right and it's like a great backyard gig right in fact i think Mayor Steve Voss's daughter Anna Voss performed at one of those oh, a few really? years ago. Makes sense. Yeah, I mean that's 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 their land, and that's what they want to do with it. I have a friend that uh, they just bought over there, and I go, oh, so how many stables do you have? We have seven. So you're gonna have horses? Oh no, we're not doing horses. What are you gonna do with it? Don't know yet. You right. Know? <laughs> but it's a great lot, great view, great great atmosphere. It's at. So you know we gotta love those larger lots because it kind of spreads out the different types of housing you have in our community. Now, did you? Do you remember, like this is maybe a couple of years ago, Mayor Voss had this idea that the city of Poway would help subsidize or loan money to property owners to build granny flats that would be rented out as affordable housing and that there would be a revenue split 
of um, some of the the, the rental revenue going to the property owner, some of the rental uh, revenue going to the city. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Or do you remember that idea? I don't remember the – I know when the first ADUs were brought up and Voss mm-hmm. was one of the first to bring that into our community. And I was – but I didn't understand the split and all that process. No, I don't know much about that process. But in, in the think of it of how can the government – how can we, our community, do things differently? And if that's a way to help bring in income to that house, that homeowner and also provide low income and then give another revenue stream for the city to offset added services in that community, I think that, that sounds like a triple win. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting idea um, because, you know, it's just a question of, you know, what's the proper role of the city government, right? right. You know, it's one thing to – zone for affordable housing. The other is, do they jump in bed with the property owner? But could you say that for some of the mm -hmm. businesses where they buy a whole lot for the car lots to to use at a low – So they subsidize the corporate corporate companies and and all that. So if there's a way to help both sides, as a community, let's see what we can do to make our community better. Yeah. It was was an innovative idea. It just never really seemed to get much traction. Um, Well, most people probably don't want to go into business with the government. Yeah. It's, I mean, if I could find a way to build the ADU myself, why add a third person into it that has a lot more money than you if something goes wrong? Yeah. So, and also has the ability to enforce you know, certain rules on you. Right. So, so why, why yeah. would a person, a homeowner, especially one that would own a home or a lot like that, would want to do something like that? So that's why I think, I mean, if I was a homeowner, I probably would find a way to, you know, find a way to build it myself to have the revenue stream all come to me. Yeah, well, that'd be the ideal opportunity. way to do it. Right. Yeah, because it is a business opportunity. Hey, you know what? We got some uh, comments here uh, from our, our live stream viewers, and they are saving our, our behind here. So um, Ed Franklin big said, Stone yeah, Lodge. it's the Pomerado Club. Yuri Bolin says it's the Big, big Stone, Stone Lodge. Lodge. <laughs> so I, I feel like I'm on Family Feud and the thing turned. Big Stone can I have, Lodge. Can I, can I call a friend? Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's what it feels like. So, um, yeah, and then Ed Franklin says, yeah, it didn't used to be out of the way. And, oh, that's um, true because it was a, before the buildings came in, there was a road that – Well, yeah. Yeah, they kind of wrapped around, around it. Yeah. And I guess, you know, new Pomerado Road was built. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't out of the way back then. Pomerado was a great out of, a great road out of town back then. Yeah, Ed Franklin saying it's the old three ninety five. So, yeah, Ed Franklin's lived in Poway, forty plus, right? Forever. Yeah, yeah he's he came here as a teenager. Um, yeah, he's We're good friends guy. from church and stuff. oh, you know, so, yeah, so I know. Okay, that. great. Yeah, yeah. So he 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 knows all about the history of Poway. Um, okay, so let's. I want to shake it up here. I've got a bunch of other questions. I mean, okay. we just just scratching the surface right hey. now. Okay, so let's talk a bit about um, one idea that you shared with me when we went out for coffee was the the idea of the trails and the walking paths in Poway. And you, you said there were certain problems and you had some ideas to fix them. When, can you share some about that? Yeah. Well, in our, in our area, there's that big development that's on the backside of Twin Peaks. And the developments put in new houses and a lot of the community that live there are very upset. Um, one of the things they're upset about is, A, they're taking away some of our natural beauty, our open spaces. Um, but another one is that the, the path that goes from Twin Peaks down to Palomar or Palomar Hospital is now closed off, and they haven't really fixed the path yet. And it was, it's 
getting more developed, more developed, it's kind of hard to see that the developers are actually going to do what they said they were going to do, and I hope they do soon. Um, but when I, when I sat back and really listened to people also and thinking about our community, one of the great things we have is our open spaces and our paths and mm-hmm. our trails. Uh, my daughters are my, – one of my daughters is a cross-country runner at Poway High, and she loves running on dirt versus concrete. Oh, yeah. And those paths are great for cross-country runners. Um, but when you think about it, when you start talking to people that use the bike trails, you talk to people that do the paths, they, they wish there were spaces that would be completely connected. And so I asked them, how do we get that connected? And the people that we have, a, we have such a great volunteer community. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that just love Poway that live here, mm-hmm. that give up their time and their resources all the time. And there's a whole committee that works on keeping the trails well kept well and, and, and serviced. And they've asked for additional spaces or lines or, or help get to buy the land from an owner or whatever. So it keeps the lot open. And it just seems like they don't get listened to. So if you have volunteers working, you kind of want to listen to them. I I would love to bring in a committee to just kind of sit down and say, okay, here's the full map. Where are the spaces we need the most? And get the community to come out and say, this is what we need. And then we can work with the city and say, how do we get this? How do we make this happen? What do you need and how many years would it take us to get there? And we start planning it out. Mm -hmm. So when if new development comes in, they don't take away from our plan. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, 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 it's amazing some of these pathways. The one you're talking about, it's like by Palmer Auto Hospital or mm-hmm. Palomar Health Palomar. or whatever it's called now. <laughs> so, um, and that's not far from where I live here. Right. And you can get, you go back and there's like a retirement home community back there. And the pathway goes and it goes south, neck behind the hospital. Then it jettisons east. And there's like a saddle, mm-hmm. kind of a saddle back on the way. Right. And then you end up kind of popping out sort of kind of near Del Poniente. Out that way, and it's it's, it's interesting. It's like how different parts of our community are connected. Right, that you we otherwise don't even know about it. You, the most people don't know. <laughs> My daughters tell me all about it from when they're running. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, we can go from here to over here over this through this, and I'm like, can my car go that road? Because that's where I want to go. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But I'm glad they didn't take that path to make it a road mm-hmm. because it kind of creates that space for people to get around differently and not feel like they have to always walk by on a sidewalk next to a street. They can be in a in the neighborhood. Yeah, there's there's pathways that are like that here in the Green Valley area um, that are really nice. So you see people walking their dogs or cross-country runners. Um, there are trails like that I know in the old coach area. Um, and then – but even – The road area, the, all the mountain the stuff that's over there. Well, yeah. Well, you get into – in between Poway Road and the business park, there's definitely some stuff there like, you know, behind Matate. Right. But even east of community – behind the housing there. There's some interesting trails. Mm-hmm. But I, I remember someone telling me that there was a pathway along the, the creek right. that that has been blocked or had right. gotten switched around or something. I, I've never been back there. It's kind of like it's, it's an artery through our city. If you look at the map, it kind of just jig-jags through our city, mm-hmm. and it connects the north to the south. And it's along a waterway, and it's busier when it rains. It doesn't mm-hmm. rain very often, but it's there when it does happen. Um, if you go by Hillary Park, there's like uh, road semi-concrete semi dividers there protecting it from the, the walkway. Mm-hmm. But they've been there for like two years. So if this is an artery, a, a thing that moves water and through our city, why aren't we using it? Why aren't we setting it up to, to connect walking? When I was living in Minneapolis, when I went back after college, they took the old railroad that doesn't go through the city anymore and made it the, the, the community walkway through the community from downtown all the way up to northern Indianapolis. And that kind of brought people out and they got to interact. 
So if we had a nice walkway, uh, walk along the river, the creek more connected and more visible, we could have restaurants there. Wouldn't it be great to have a restaurant right on the creek and kind of the nice wilderness and seeing the birds and all the great wildlife that we have here? But what do we do? We put buildings, the movie theater, right along the river, so we kind of lose the, the, the view of, our, of some of our natural, ha- our natural benefits here. Yeah, it's, it's just so hard, you know, because – you know, you can roll the clock back. You know, some of the, but you gotta have vision when you make these yeah. decisions. When you make these zoning decisions and you make these variances to the zonings, you give up that vision. Well, yeah, you, you have to have that vision. And, and when it was blank slate, you, it's easier to have a vision, right? And then how do you do it so it's right? And so for the long term, and what are the priorities? And in Poway, it's it's community, it's family, it's togetherness, it's activity, it's 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 it's. It's it's the parks, it's it's being out in the open spaces. Mm-hmm. We don't want to go on the weekends. We don't want to go anywhere else, but we kind of have to sometimes <laughs> for food. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for whatever you know. Um, ideally, this would you know we'd be our own little self-contained. You know, put a dome over Poway, and we just people we like that, right? Come yeah. on, they they like that. There is a dome around Poway. Yeah, you well, know it is, right? Well, it's I, called our streets. So right when you leave San Diego, you get to our dome, and our roads are nice. All of a sudden, yeah. right? That's like the that's called that a common sense political a Poway. You know, I have to. Always, that's got something that's always on a person's platform is keep the roads well maintained. Yeah, that's like a common sense platform idea. Well, I mean, yeah, that's like city government one hundred and one, right. right? Yeah, yeah. Not not for San Diego. Well, no, <laughs> those but guys. For Poway. <laughs> yeah, they, they got a lot of other got, fires to put out. Yeah. Um, you know, just just as sort of a random tangent thought talking about do- you know, living in a dome. And a- One of the things that we would talk to our children about is that Poway is like living in a bubble, mm-hmm. you know, because certain parts of Poway, I mean, there, there's a dark side to Poway. I mean, there's like, you know, drug issues and crime issues. Like every big city. Like any city. But there is a certain idyllic part to Poway that, um, you know, if you, if you spend nearly all your time here, you don't, you're never really exposed to the things that are happening in more urban settings, mm-hmm. you know? And so we would often talk about Poway being like a bubble. And it's true. Is then, you know, when my kids go away to college, they're like, oh my God, now I understand. <laughs> or they go away, they live their 20s, and they want to have a family, and then they move back to Poway you know, because they want to raise their kids that way. Yeah, that, if they can afford it. Right. Yeah. You, know, you know, hopefully they can maybe get their parents' house, but, you know, you never know. <laughs> I mean, okay, so let's, um, let's bounce around here a little bit. Uh, um, God, we've got more questions and comments coming in, but I want to get to a few more topics. Okay, so um, one of the the hot issues, and, and we talked to Hiram Soto about this, is why doesn't the city of Poway have a climate action plan? Um, and this is something that has uh, progressive uh, folks in town are upset about this. Moderates are surprised that it doesn't exist. Some of our more conservative people in town, kind of a mixed bag feeling. Some believe it's important, some don't. Um, what's your take on this whole issue of a climate action plan for Poway? Well, <clears throat> zoning and planning, all those things are the job of the city council. If we're the only city in San Diego County that doesn't have a climate action plan, then I don't think the current council is doing their job. Because you're, you're able to create that action plan which says these are the priorities for us in a city. If we're, if we're going to have developments come in here, they need to fit these requirements. If we, wanna, if we have a goal to, to reduce our carbon footprint, and I don't know what that would be because I haven't 
read the plan because there isn't one. Uh, but I've read, I've looked at other cities and what they're looking like. Sometimes it's really easy stuff. It's like, can you plant more trees to kind of give more to lower the heat level? There's all these science, and I don't know that much about it. But I do agree that it's our job to have a plan. Because then it kind of sets the tone of the builders, developers coming in saying, here's the lines you can work within. Here's our priority as our community. We want more solar. We want less solar. We want more car car charging spots. We have less car charging spots. Whatever that is, let's lay it out there and say what we want. So when people come in, they can't tell us what you're going to get. And also, there's a lot of money out there in the federal and state that can support us in what the um, the climate action plan would give us. But if we don't have a plan, you can't get the resources. So I think we need to do what we need to do and do the work. Well, here is one another one of the other questions here from um, from Ed Franklin, and he says, "Define a climate action plan." Well, you you kind of did kind that. Of did yeah. I don't know, can I work? Can I can I phone a friend? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the climate action plan is just saying like the regulations that you want to set in your community. And if you want solar, this is what we we want. Your if you're going to build a house, add more more of this electricity or this this solar panels. If you want to have, um, how, how as a city can you better uh, pay? You know, with with coming in with solar, we're able to to lower some of our electrical bills. We can we can create more of a, a what's our carbon imprint and how can we reduce it? And and I don't understand all those numbers and how you calculate that. But it's out there. There's so many plans that we could look at and say, we don't want to go that far. We don't want to go that far. This is what Poway wants. Mm -hmm. And let's have a community conversation around what does the climate action plan mean to us and how do we want to live with it? Well, it is it is odd that, you know, regardless of what the plan should be, it's odd that Poway is the only city in the county that doesn't have a plan. Right. Um, So, you know, I'm just surprised it's something that hasn't really been addressed. Uh, It it seems like... it would be really easy for them to do it. It's a policy thing. Mm-hmm. It's the council's job to have the policies that best protect our interests and make sure we're doing the things we can mm-hmm. to better our community. And I think that just defines how we want to. How do we want to handle our open spaces? How do mm-hmm. how much do we want to protect? What's the percentage, and what are we going to stick to and not move on? Mm-hmm. You know, kind of laying the line in the sand. This is how we're going to be good to our mother nature. Now, when when we got together for coffee, um, you you talked a little bit about more charging stations for electric vehicles. Yeah, we're we're both EV drivers, so we're probably more tuned into this. But what were some of your ideas on how we can maybe have more electric vehicle charging stations in Poway? And I'm, I'm, I think outside the box on some ideas. So they're not always one that are going to land or work, but I'm going to try an idea. And, you know, if there's developments coming in and they don't want to put charging stations in, Maybe the city could could put the charging stations in to make a revenue generating utility off of those charging stations. There's ways that we can look at it to kind of promote. If they want a setback or this or a height, then add more access to charging stations for those communities. I, I don't know. Can't re- I look at the plans. I can't figure out if they're putting any electric stations in all these houses or not. Maybe two or three, or is it really comparable to the houses? I mean, almost every new house outside of our area in the garage, there's an extra. 240 plug there for people to do their charging. Well, I know they're putting them in in the farm. Yeah. I, I remember Kevin McNamara told me that. And I, you know, the question, are they really doing it? You know, <laughs> they, they, but they're also of... 1.8, $2.5 million houses. Yeah. That they're going to, they're going to have a. Yeah. But it, you know, once the 220 uh, volt, you know, line is there, you know, charging station is like, depending on what you buy, like 400 to 800 bucks. Right. You know, it's like a glorified electric, uh, you know, charging Switch. cord. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, that those homes are being built with that 
capability so that you don't have to like later on Cut go hire phone. an electrician and pay for them and everything else. So the amount of double work government sometimes does because they don't they, they don't make those decisions early on so they don't have to put something in then rip it up and then put it in again mm-hmm. and rip it up again. We just got to be smart about that stuff. Right. Let's uh let's talk a little about something different now. Um yeah, by all means take a you've been talking a lot so you, you know wet your whistle there a little bit. So. <laughs> okay, so um speaking of drinking, mm. let's talk about water. Okay? <laughs> um no, not the drinking like the Big Stone Lodge drinking. I'm talking <laughs> about the water. So uh you know, there's a lot happening with water in our city, right? I mean, we had the kind of the the, the rope water incident, right? And we and the storm water got in and it got dirty. Now we're having to redo a lot of our infrastructure. Water rates are going up potentially, um, or they actually are going to go up. Some of it's within our control, some of it's not. And then you've even said that there's a possibility there there might be a bond we might need for water. There's going to be. A- I think it's coming up to like $80, $90 million to actually finish this whole project. And that's not going to come from 40% increase in water rates. It's going to come from something else. And I'm not – I don't know anything any more than anybody else, but it just makes sense that they're going to have to use a bond to kind of cover those costs. And and that bond will be on this city council's history for that coming in in four to six years when they're all gone or or, or Mm -hmm. whatever. That's going to be on the people on the board right now that set us up for this because I believe the last 10, 15 years or 10 to 12 years, we haven't been doing all the maintenance we could have been doing to maybe make this system last longer or be able to – or save better so we didn't cost us as much. Mm -hmm. You know, whenever I'm having water issues at my my house and I know something's going to break, I start planning for it. And so when you know something's going to break, you start planning for it. So should mm-hmm. cities. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there, there's there's a lot going on. I mean, are they, they're almost completely redoing everything up right. by Lake Poway, right? I mean, it's going to be, once it's all said and done, it's going to be a good uh, state-of-the-art type of water facility. So it's, it's but it's, they're not being as transparent of what's going to happen there. And what's the true timeline? What's the true ticket going to cost? Where's it going to come from? How are we going to pay for it? You know, are we going to double our – we're going up 40 percent water rates in the next three years. Are we going to go up another 50 percent after that? Every two months, I'll be paying almost $800, almost like a, a taxation <laughs> payment, you know, every two, every two months. You know, it doesn't – and I don't use that much water. Yeah, it's expensive. Um, I look at my – I lived in a house – before in the, in the golf course in the greens before I moved to Poway mm-hmm. and we worked hard to get all our utilities low. It was like a game that I played with the kids. I love to that. teach them how to yeah, yeah. you know conserve and Good. do this, you know, and 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 we were like down to like just like I think it was like nine of those counts they use for gallons and we we're down to nine. Sweet. So that, I think the gallon count of 750 gallons is the count they use for water. Yeah. And I was down to nine. They were like water units or something. Water like, units, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, that's like my baseline. So then I got to the new house in Poway. We did the same thing. How low can we keep this down? Mm-hmm. And we were down in the – I think we got – now we're like in the cheap in – the, in, the, in the winter months, we're kind of down to like the 12s. Right. You know, that's still pretty good when the average in my community is like 25. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like how can you conserve to be right for the water? But still my – Saving at that kind of level, I'm still paying 400 bucks every two months. Oh yeah. It's so even though I'm I'm conserving as much as I can, and, and if I would spend more, that's only 350 for 750 gallons. Mm-hmm. It's like three dollars and fifty cents or three dollars and ninety cents, something like that, per 750 gallons of water. 
Yeah, it's 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 insane. We should bottle it, and make some money that way. Oh, yeah. Highway water, <laughs> and start paying for the. <laughs> Got to get things outside the box right, here, right. right? Let's instead of making the people pay for, it, let's get everybody to to buy I mean, a little Poway water. I wish our water bill was four hundred dollars. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy, and uh, and, and then there's you, two of you. I know, <laughs> um, and you know, was was it yesterday? It rained a little bit. Did you see that? Not in my neighborhood. Well, it did here. Yeah. And it was like the sun was out, and I look, I looked over my shoulder, and I was wet. And I thought, like, we had a broken sprinkler or something. And I go, no, it's actually raining. Right. It was, but it only lasted like 20 minutes. Right. Not enough to really do anything. No. But, you know. It's always good to see it. We'll though. take it. You we'll know? take it. We'll <laughs> take, take it whatever we can. can. Mother um, Nature, come on. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's interesting. I mean, this is a little bit outside of the realm of Poway, but – the topic of water in California is just a really it's major the new gold. It's going to be the new gold down the road. Oh yeah. You know how do we actually manage it? And it's like, as a government entity, what are we doing to protect, capture as much water as we can? How can we use the water to create energy for us or electricity for us? How can we make sure what we have is used properly to help, you know, cover other expenses? You know, and how do we capture more water when it does rain, when it does run again? You know, we mm-hmm. last month we didn't have much rain last year, but the year before we did have a lot of rain. Mm-hmm. And it just goes in the cellar, the, the, the drain and goes out to the ocean. Is there better ways that we could be capturing some of our water too to fill back our lake? And make sure those those the, the water's right there, lakes right there. What are we doing to capture some of that stuff? Yeah, those are those are interesting questions. I mean, the da- you know at San Vicente they extended the dam, yeah. So now the capacity is way bigger. Um, you know, those are things we could do. I have no idea if that's doable yeah. in Poway, but it's just it's just I don't know. I'm intrigued by the whole topic, you know, because there's desalination. Right. There's you know this kind of. Uh, Water recycling, you know, which the is purple water. Yeah, the purple pipes. It's great. Well, and then, but there's purple pipe, wa- <laughs> purple people. There's, <laughs> there's purple pipes for water right. for irrigation. Right. But there's also now with that clean water, um, you know, initiative in San Diego, there's recycled water that's cleaner than the water that we get from our our, our city water tap. I mean, they they got the filtration down just to be so optimal. It's really probably cool. add stuff back in there because we need some of that stuff. I know. Yeah. We need a little <laughs> bit of minerals. A little minerals and take your vitamin with this good water. So you yeah. have some of the stuff that you would have got. So it's an interesting issue. And I know that, you know, whenever there's um, a development, you know, there's things going on in our community, you'll hear people say, what about the traffic? What about the water? What about the schools? You know, do we have the infrastructure to handle it all? Those are fair There's questions. One more question there is what about the the safety of the firefighters? Are, are we giving enough support to them while they expand our population? Or do mm-hmm. we have enough firehouses that maybe we need another one in a couple of years? What's the planning to make sure we have the coverage we're going to need with all our safety services? Well, okay, let, let, let's let's talk about safety. This is a good one because it's crime is going up. You know, I mean, I I see these reports of people that their homes are being broken into, their cars are being catalytic stolen, yeah. the catalytic converters. There was a someone posted on um, it was on one of the Facebook groups, and they, gosh, where were they living? And um, can't remember exactly which part of town. Excuse me. And um, someone stole their car in the middle of the night. Um, what? What can we do to, to you know, Poway's traditionally one of the safest cities in the county. What do we need to do to get it back so we can reduce crime and so we can ensure also from the fire perspective 
that we can keep our community safe? What are some things we can do? Well, that's there's there's a lot there. One thing Poway already pays for the the best blue ribbon level of service from our police, and we're able to have detectives that other cities of this size doesn't don't really have or prioritize. So, if you do have a crime issue, we can we can go and research it and and find the root of the problem before it expands. Um, I think our numbers are still lower than normal or our average. We're not really exceeding our average, but they are getting more. Violent or more, you can see it more. I remember on over by the AMC movie theater when that was hit during COVID, where they were just like went from one store to the next and next, knocked down the doors. Oh yeah, that was that was kind of like a shock to me. That kind of brought the like this feeling that this isn't Poway anymore. They were like vandalizing from and they Los were breaking Angeles. the windows of the right. Poway bike shop, and it was awful. Right, right. Mm-hmm. and that was kind of a, a weird weird thing. But you know, we have to have when our police our police is. Is like 55, per, 55, per, 55 volunteers support and help the police. So half of our police is supported by volunteers. This is another thing we stand up. Poway stands up to protect Poway in a sense that we're actively supporting and supporting the police when they can't be everywhere. We have them there. Yeah, you know, you're right. There, there are a lot of volunteer police, police uh, support. Yeah, I think they're, they're like fifty out of the. I think there's like fifty police, and there's fifty. It's right. like we're in the. The sheriff was like, we could not be as successful as we are without our volunteers. Right. So for all those volunteers that are listening tonight, that do our fire, to do our, our, our trails, and, and keep our city what how great it is, I thank you and I appreciate all that you do. You do for us. Do you know Pete Babbage? Yes, I do. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, yeah. He and he's one of those um, volunteers. He was. Yep. And so he, I've seen him um, in the, um, the patrol cars. Where they'll just sort of park somewhere, you know, just to be visible, and it keeps people slow down. Right. And then I remember going to the um, the Poway Rodeo, and he was out there directing traffic. I got a picture parking. of him like before COVID, me and him on the street. Really? Because <laughs> he was being the Mister Police Officer King. Yeah. Moving traffic. But there's also like when I moved here, the funny thing about my house is I'm right off, right right next to Silverset Park, and there's a stop sign. There's a three way stop sign right where I sit, and when I moved here. There was a cop there. I'm like, oh, shoot, there's a cop here. Is it a bad neighborhood? <laughs> and then three minutes later, woo, and they got somebody speeding through my stop sign. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm glad they're here. You yeah. know, my kid's coming out, walking down, or a bicycle coming down that hill. They can turn and almost get hit if somebody doesn't stop there. Mm-hmm. And so now, well, now, since then, since the first year I lived here, I haven't seen a cop there since. And that, that, at 11.15 every night, I hear a car with big engine going, boom, all the way through, doesn't stop. You know, and that's where, I think that's where some of our crime starts. You've got to take it local so it doesn't get bigger. Mm-hmm. Helping, helping keep things checked so they it doesn't get out of hand yeah it's the same thing here in our my community you'll see police officers sometimes show up and it's usually the neighbors kind of squawk a little bit i squawked yeah i squawked and they didn't listen to my squawk okay well i know four or five other people squawked too and it didn't help (laughs) well sometimes they do listen and then they'll show up and then yeah they'll uh they will you know keep people honest people honest right but i'll admit i got I got zinged a couple of times. I'm a better driver now, but uh, um, <laughs> you learned but, your lesson. Right? Yeah, I learned my lesson. You're right. Um, here, got it. Here's another g- a really good question here that I want to share, and um, this is from Pete Neal. He says there's a track record of five unanimous votes on various issues. There are three up for election. Paint the picture if there's only one change, two changes, or three changes. On city council. Wow. 
that'd be a big change in our community. I think it would it would bring a new voice of what the community, what the city council actually sounds like, and what the mayor would look like, and how we would actually probably respond to things. How maybe we would be thinking other questions that were not held back from our history, that were held back of prior development history, but how can we make better decisions for our future? Because there are going to be new questions being asked. New new community who raised here their kids at a different age, so they have different priorities in a new in a new generation. I think it'd be great for the community to have some new voices. One, two, three, that means people would actually actually have to work from different ideas, perspectives, direction, and come up with a better answer. Mm-hmm. When all five say yes all the time, how, how much of the work is being done behind the door and not in front of the public so we can actually ha- watch how the sausage is being made, right? you know, so we can enjoy the sausage. When we don't know what's in there, it's always kind of questionable. Mm-hmm. And so, but if, it, if it's open and they still 5-0 vote, I'll still probably vote with them. If I'm the only one, if I'm the one change, there's going to be many votes. I'll be voting with the, the council because I asked my questions and they answered them the right way for me mm-hmm. and it wasn't signed aligned with everybody else. Mm-hmm. But there's just times where I think a, a new voice, a new question, making sure that we're making all the right choices and we don't settle into the new – we're not getting in the same rut of just letting developers do what they get away with. And we're kind of stopping sometimes and really taking a breath and going, hmm, is this what we want it to look like in 10 years from now or 30 years from now? You know. Well, here's another question. This is kind of a tangent of the whole thing is let's just say hypothetically – Okay, that that you win, you you're successful, you win the election, but in the other two races, um, the the well, let's just say the change candidate did not win, right. that the status quo candidate won, and suddenly the council are four status quo people and yourself, and so the question here is uh, is from Ed Franklin. He says, and how can you affect change? Why you? In that scenario, if you're like one of five and maybe you're the voice in the wilderness, how would you handle that? I think I get to turn on my my charm and my charisma and really connect <laughs> with people. Yeah. You know, because I am. I'm from the Midwest. I have a different upbringing of my my viewpoint of how things get done. And I am a I, I, I'm a bridge builder. I mean, being the president of the of the middle schools foundation for three for two years and raising funds and developing and, and spending money the way the community needed to make Twin Peaks better. I know how to build the bridges to pull people in and to buy and make decisions that are long term for the community. Would I sit there and and I would have decisions and I would listen to them and I would try to persuade them with a different perspective if I can. And I'd probably have a long you know lunch with Cunningham and ask him how he did it. Yeah. And he, having his voice made our city council better. Mm-hmm. And so if I can just make it better, then, I, then I've done my job. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, on one level, it's great to have some alternative points of view. And, but on another level, it gets frustrating, right? If you're you – know, again, I'm using a hypothetical. Let's just use Jim Cunningham as an example. He was often the one in the 4-1 vote or – if we want to talk about the school district, you know, it was often a three to two and it was the same three against the same two. And for those two, it got frustrating. Mm-hmm. So that's tough, you know, to be in that situation where you may have some great ideas, but unless you get the majority vote, you know, then I guess you just have to use the bully pulpit. Then that's all I have, right? Yeah. If that's all I have and I can get, but that's when the community can rise up to say, hey, this guy's pretty smart. Mm-hmm. Give him a chance. Listen to Kevin. Why don't you let him have a chance out here? Why don't you? Why don't you 
build a bridge with him and see what we can do differently. How can we make when big decisions happen? Why can't the why can't the majority be like yes? Like like the uh, the the stagecoach was supposed to be. How we all was like cool. Mm-hmm. Why can't more decisions be like that? Mm-hmm. And I think I think I can be a, a, a consensus builder, bringing new ideas. You know, if they if they want to, if if they are gonna just if the four would be there and just wanted to block me, I don't think they're gonna be there because they're really pragmatic people. They're nice people mm-hmm. that are on there. I think they're all good people. Mm-hmm. And I just think um, with a new conversation, things could be different. Yeah, in a lot of I think that's an interesting point because. It's 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 a matter of having a different conversation. It's a matter of having alternative points of view, presenting different ideas. Um, and I know there's some of that to a degree with the existing city council, but it doesn't seem like it's a the city hall is a place of vigorous debate. You know, um, it, it, there's generally a common a common point of view amongst the five that are on our city council. That, to me, that's what's interesting about this race, your race and then the District 1 race where there's no incumbent. So there's definitely going to be a new, new people involved. You know? So it's a question of what are they going to talk about and what, what kind of ideas are they going to bring forward? Right. And the one, one gentleman I'm going up against is saying, I got endorsed by all the current – the mayor and the current. Mm-hmm. So that tells me that's not going to change the conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he <clears throat> he's happy with how the water rates are. They're going to manage them better. You know, they're going to, you know, the status quo of how, uh, of where our developments are. You know, we're going to be, be poor on big developments. No more, no more big development because unless Sacramento forces us to do it. You know, it's like blaming, pointing fingers to someone else. And what mm-hmm. my grandma always said is when you point a finger somewhere else, there's always three more coming at you. Oh, that you yeah. need to answer for. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So <laughs> now you point a finger to somebody, you better have answers to the, the three coming back at you for what did you do to make sure that didn't happen to us? Mm-hmm. What are you doing to make sure the zoning is strong enough to stand up to the developments coming in? Let's have an element plan, a housing element plan that says we need this many housing and this is exactly where we should build it to support our current infrastructure. Be ahead of the change instead of being reactionary to it. Yeah, it's it's, you know, we're talking about, you know, like you say, being ahead of the change versus reacting to it. And in some cases, we have control. Sometimes we have limited control. Right. Here's, here's another question. But the limited control, how do you defend that? If you say, okay, this is, this is where we're at. Our current code says this. This is how we live with it. This is what it's been for years. Do we need to adjust it? The general plan's been around for 30 years without really an adjustment other than amendments. Mm-hmm. Which that best practices, what I understand, is city government is to look at their general plan every 10 years mm-hmm. to refresh it, to say what new technologies are coming. What mm-hmm. are the needs of the new community? Where, where are, we, are we dividing up or are we expanding out? How are we doing this? And that general plan needs to meet it. We're not doing that administrative work a council's supposed to do. Yeah, that, that was surprising to me that there hasn't been sort of a, you know, a process for updating the city plan because – if it's been the, how long has it been? Thirty years. That's what I understand. Um, that's a long time ago. Yeah. What happened thirty years ago? Where were you? Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. What kind of car were we driving then? What kind of? Well, Poway looked a lot different thirty years <laughs> yeah. ago, um, and Poway had a, a, a lot of very different priorities thirty years ago. Um, so it's it's a fair question, you know, to ask why it's not being updated, particularly when there is a vision now for so much change in our city. Right. You know, is, does it fit the plan? Does it not fit the plan? It's, it's an interesting topic. 
Um, if, if I could, I want to just go back to one other issue here. And this is a, another one from um, Ed Franklin. Ed, it's like Ed is just firing questions at you. I'm, Ed, I'm not getting all of them, but I'm trying to get some of them, Ed. And he says, explain exactly how water rates are going to come down. Is that possible? I believe it, take, it would take a big structural change in the organ of the city government of Poway to make them come down. What I'm saying is you'd have to relook at how we organize ourselves and how we reorganize our books and how we handle the water separated from the city, separated from the services, mm-hmm. and having everything broken out more and transparent so everybody sees where money is. And I know they're doing a new study on how much percentage the the the, the treasurer's doing for the for the water, and that might change how much his salary goes over. It gets to be so dirty and it's so complicated. Mm-hmm. If we would ease it up. Yeah, you'd, water rates would go down, but maybe you'd have more taxes coming somewhere else to offset the, the what the water's covering the city that doesn't happen. Yeah, but at least it'd be transparent. At least you could say, okay, now we see the tax money's over here. Are we spending the tax money the right way? Mm-hmm. I live in Silverset, and I've been paying every property tax for the the maintenance uh, of the you know the maintenance fees for your community, and my sign. Off of off Twin Peaks has been broken for three years, <laughs> really? but I've been paying over two hundred bucks a year on my property taxes, and we have like what is it like maybe four entrances into my neighborhood, mm-hmm. and they're not being serviced. You know, the best service was when Grouch had the the community come down. And we raked the I, I wasn't part of it, but the community came in and raked Twin Peaks into piles. Yeah, you know, we cleaned that up. That was like the first work, and it was. Free labor that did all the work, mm-hmm. except for the people that came to took the the the, the leaves to the to, to recycling, you know. But that's like, come on, we've been paying taxes for those pieces, but they're not being spent in those areas. And if they were, um, well, let's that goes see to the, the like the landscape maintenance district, landscape district, yeah. which is kind of I know that's sort of a hot topic, but yeah, I mean. I, I assume you're in one of those districts, yeah. So you're paying like there's an extra line item on your property tax right. bill. It's and, supposed to be for our entrances and all that landscape around there. My, it yeah. hasn't been taken care of anything more. I mean, if I paid, if you paid somebody 250 bucks a year to help maintain your front area, would you know when they came in and fixed that? Oh, for sure. Right. Yeah. Now, times that by 100 homes paying $250 in <laughs> right. $100,000 that would maintain an entrance. Yeah. I'm sorry. You, you'd see people there every every month doing something. Right. I mean, I mean it wouldn't take much just to – Give it, you know. The letter's broken. The D is broken. It's yeah, like, just it's simple like, things like that. Simple things. It's like, no, who's driving around looking for those things? Do we have enough people servicing those land districts to actually know what's what needs to be done? Not. Mm-hmm. These are all the questions I don't know, and I don't want to be an antagonizer. So I get on the council, and everybody doesn't like me because I'm having all these questions. <laughs> but you know what? That's that's sometimes good for a business. Yeah, it's good for an organization to have somebody come in and ask new questions. Mm-hmm. And. And and that's why my transparency, I've said, let's put more of the line item budget out to the community because you've got people like Chris Cruz, like other people that would just dive in there and why this? Why that? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Right? It's gonna be, it would be dirty. <laughs> it would be messy. But you know what's going to happen after a year of that? People would understand. Right. People would know where the money is, where it's going to. Mm-hmm. Things may be changed. Things may be not changed. But now it's open. Mm-hmm. A government open and transparent is a stronger government, owned and, and people are more engaged in it. Well, they say transparency is the ultimate disinfectant. Yeah, you it's know? true. You know, it's true in house cleaning, yeah. and it's true in, in city government. 
when I was when I started the elementary foundation at my where my kids went to school at Turtleback, that's what we had to we put our budget online. All the parents see this is how we this is how we're budgeting our money. And this and then at the end of the year, this is how we spent the money or monthly we'd show. You know, so it's always transparency. The money knows that when they came in, it's all going back to the community up to right. the students. And that's how you do stuff. It's government, same thing as this public, you know, five hundred one three C foundations for a group. You just you just do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Everybody's salary is up there. Now, what else is there to hide? <laughs> what else is there? There isn't. Well, I think the salaries are probably, what, about 80% of what the budget is. Probably something like that. Probably, yeah. yeah. With, a, with the fire and the police and the whole city employees. Yeah. yeah it's it's, it's going to be something like that. Right. But isn't that what it's supposed to be, though, too? There's Correct. not – you know, it's uh, there's only splitting hairs after that. How do you – how do you – Correct. things and it also when you do get land and how do you develop it and how you get the taxes coming in and how you manage the flow of, of 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 that when you get land that's now owned by the state or the city how do we best use that land to make more investments that better use the community mm-hmm. have money to to redevelop and do things you you mentioned earlier um a comment um about one of your opponents that um this that i think you were probably talking about peter dehoff who is has the endorsements of you know most uh, if not all of the city council. Um, you're what's interesting again the district one district three these two races there's no incumbents they're fascinating these these your races are amazing not only is it political season it's really interesting but this is the the city of Poway is going to be making a statement the voters will be making a statement in these elections and there's a stark contrast between the candidates and in in District 1. But there also is a stark contrast between the candidates in District 3. So if you were to look at the landscape of of your two challengers and yourself, what do you think makes you stand apart from your two challengers? I'd say the thing that stands out the most for me is that I've actually stepped up into leadership roles in my community. And I take down responsibilities to bring people together and to develop and do things for the community. We've all been active in our community in different various projects and different things. But what do you have to be done with that? And participation is, is part of it, but actually leading and making an impact. That's what I've done. I've made a lot of friends and, and, and worked a lot across a lot of a lot of uh, Bridges to build up coincidence. Ah, all these big words. I'm trying to be impressive, but that's all right. Coalitions around, yeah, you know, yeah, ideas yeah. to get yeah. things better. You know, mm-hmm. working with administrations, working with the people, working with people mm-hmm. that hate foundation, work with the people that love foundations. How do you get this to come mm-hmm. and people s- survive? And so, I think my ability, my business ability, my ability to communicate, my ability to connect with people. I think, I think you'll see the difference. Yeah, the, the the three of you are very different personalities, much less three different sort of policy positions. So that's I, I'm just intrigued with the race, and I'm I, I live in your district, right? So I'm, I'm one fighting of the, for my vote all I can right I here, know, John. I'm trying. <laughs> I know, and I know you are, and it's all good. But it's um, it's you know it, it's 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 a very interesting race um, because uh, all three candidates have. A different angle, a different approach, different strengths, different weaknesses, um, and a different point of view. Um, and uh, you know, I think in a lot of cases, it's the ultimate question is whether I think voters want. You know, it's like the old Ronald Reagan one. You know, are you better off than you were four years ago? You know, it's do they want change or do they want status quo? I mean, what are you hearing from people out in the community? Um, they want change. 
They want a community that a council that actually listens to them and actually participates with them and open to their feedback and one that has more of a, a what is your true vision for the what is what's the vision of our current council and mayor? We don't know. They wait for other organizations to tell them what they have to do. And so I would be a person that would be sitting down and saying, okay, this is where I would love to see the city go. And if you support, help me, great. I'd love to help you. Um, I would be the person that could actually listen and bring people in and, and I think make a better choice. Mm-hmm. And you, you ran for school board, um, what was it, in 2018, yes. right? What did you learn in that process as a candidate in 2018 that's made you a better candidate this time? I think I, my slogan was listen, learn, lead. That was my slogan for my, my, my school board. And with that, I kind of still embody that right now is I love listening to different people's personal, pers- perspective of where they live. People that live over in the question area of Poway, over, off, off community in, in Twin Peaks area. And then I've talked to people that live in the apartment complexes. I've talked to the people in the Twin Peaks mountain around them. It's all different perspectives when you're learning what, what do we need and what are we doing well. I mean, mm-hmm. One of the great things when we had the, through COVID, the city bought picnic tables for the small businesses so they, have, they don't have to go out and find the resources to do that. That's a that's good decision by the city council. Okay. I want to make sure I'm saying something positive here, right? I'm okay. not just throwing them under the bus because <laughs> yeah. there is some – they've done some good – that was probably the, one of the best things people actually told me that they liked what the current city council has done. Mm-hmm. That's pro-business. That's pro-community. All these owners of these restaurants that couldn't get people in, they said, well, let's give them picnic tables. And I'm glad to hear we finally came around after three years to say, let's change our zoning to make outside eating more easier for us. Mm-hmm. Hello. Yeah. That's, that's a no-brainer. Totally. It should have been done a year or two ago. Yeah. You know? And so how do, we, how do we make our community more so we can have a place to eat that's outside and enjoy the nature? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's an easy zoning thing the city council could do and more people would like it because we could bring different restaurants here. We'd bring more people to kind of more of a, a specialty flavor maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, an, that was an interesting move that they did because everyone was trying to figure out a way to help some yeah. people. What's the silver bullet? How do yeah. we solve this thing, right? Yeah, I think one of the other ones that the city did is they at least allowed – like, for example, yoga classes to be conducted outdoors in the parks. Uh, I know some people didn't like that, I think. But, but overall, it was just like, you know, how can we not have our businesses die, you know, that they can still stay alive to some degree? When I was at the foundation, for, my daughters were in Twin Peaks when that happened. So it was a good place for them because, you know, <laughs> having a mask on while your face is changing your teeth or braces, right? Oh, so for middle kids, school, My perfect. kids were perfect for, <laughs> for this experience, right? Well, middle this school is, is tough, man. Exactly. So – but. When I went to the principal, I said, what do we need to do to open up? Yeah. I, I know this is where the line is, but what do we need to make sure we're ready? And we, 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 translated, we took out all the water fountains. So they all had water. They could fill all the water bottles. All the water fountains were tr- flipped over for water bottles because all the water fountains were wrapped up because they couldn't use them. Right. But they could fill their water bottle. Nice. So we repositioned to make sure all that was done. We added 9,000 square feet of turf with picnic tables and, and rooms so teachers got to take more kids outside to learn. We're in Powell, we're in California. We pay that sunshine tax. Let's, make, let's get the most out of it as we can. And so it's like how do we best prepare ourselves for the future? And I've done that. 
So th- 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 what's going on here? This is a great discussion we're having. Forgive me, I might be seem like a little distracted as I'm reading the the, good the comments, the, the comments that are coming in, and, <laughs> and 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 generally there's just a few guys there in the chat that are right. keeping it going, which is great, and we appreciate everybody participating. You know, we're we're not going to go that much longer. So I just want to tell the audience if you if you have some questions that you want to ask Kevin Juza. Um, you know, type them in on Facebook or on YouTube. We'll see them on the screen. There's a few more here that I like to ask you that I think are, are pretty good questions. So um, it's a good practice for tomorrow. Yeah, it's right. Community forum tomorrow. So this is throw out the question. See how well I do. You know, <laughs> I I was planning to go to the community forum and maybe live streaming it, but it's the Padres <laughs> against the Dodgers. You know, it's what like, a terrible time. Huh? I know, <laughs> and I know the community forum is important too. But hopefully, other people will be there to live stream it, so I won't be. Maybe attending. you got to get somebody to take your phone and do it for you. Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, it's tough. That's that's a tough call. Yeah. Um, okay. Here's some. Here's a couple of questions here. Um, here, this is from Ed Franklin. He says, you know, give, give an example when the city council, in your opinion, didn't listen. Is there a case that you can think of where they just kind of close their ears? In the city council meetings that I've listened to and watched live, not as many watched live, but I've listened to and watched them during the videos, it's – I, I believe they haven't really listened to the people and their pers- what they're saying. They're only hearing what they're what they want to hear or dishear or challenge their position instead of embracing. When I, I'm I'm, I'm a consultant helping companies build their sales co- their sales teams up. Mm-hmm. And when I ha- when I when I work with somebody who's who's challenging me, giving me the nos, and I want a yes, right? The first I don't fi- I don't box with them. I don't punch back and forth and say you're wrong, I'm wrong, you're wrong, I'm wrong. It's, it's like I first I bring them in closer, I hug them. I say, "Okay, I agree with you. How do we how can we move from here?" And it doesn't seem like they listen to what the people's concerns are. They just hear it through the lens of the decisions they made. Mm. I hope that helps, Ed. It's kind of like confirmation bias to a degree, right? They just look for affirmation of what they're already thinking or maybe believing. Right. But I think you actually, what you just said, though, um, I think is very powerful. And that is, is that when you have an opponent, if you want to call them an opponent, you know, getting into a fight doesn't really make the matter better. It's rather it's finding where you do agree. When they go back home, who are they talking to? Mm-hmm. What are they saying about that conversation? I'm go- How much confidence does it have to take? You've spoken to the city council before, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You get nervous still, even though you've, oh, yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. you know each of those people up there. Yeah. You, you've, you've talked to them. Mm-hmm. You've seen them in the community. But all of a sudden, getting up there in front of that podium and then seeing them looking at you, you know, it takes a lot. And they're like way up above they're us. They're way above. <laughs> yeah. You have a timer going. Yeah. You know, you got to like – Talk fast, and either you're reading from something, or you're going to just fumble around. Yeah, and so it's hard. It is. You got. I got to appreciate everybody that comes up, and thank them for you know saying your piece, being being your truth. Mm-hmm. You know, it's your truth. It's what you live. It's what you see. Share it, and it's as a city councilman, it's your job to embrace it and learn from it to make better decisions. It's it's tricky them for them as well because I know they can't necessarily engage in a dialogue at that moment. At that moment. Yeah, but certainly they can go – you can meet with them offline and talk to them. Um, and then what would they happen? If they went offline and they walked over and says, hey, Kevin, you know, I heard your issue about the gate going up to 
because Yuri brought this up at the last meeting, he brought, keeps reminding him of things they said mm-hmm. were problems and they haven't resolved at the gate that goes over to what's the stroke behind City Hall? What's that? Uh, Matate? Matate. Mm-hmm. They want a gate to stop people from going in there after hours and having parties and stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? It's been, it's been going on for five, six months now. Mm-hmm. And there's never been an update. So it's like if, if the city council was listening, they would go to, and solve that. Either say, guys, we've solved it, but it's going to take us a year to get the permitting, to dig the hole, to buy the fence, to get – this is what we're doing. We're going to mm-hmm. do it, but it's going to be six months. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not something you just go to Home Depot, buy and install because that's what we would think, right? <laughs> As individuals, if I want to put a gate on my door, I just go Home Depot, buy, boom, boom, put on my credit card, and I worry about it next month. Cities have to do a little differently. Yeah, they got to meet code, and and they kind of have their to, their process. Right. And so, yeah. say there's a process starting. The process yeah. has started. Mm-hmm. Our target date is boom. Right. Then that would be your listening to the people. Mm-hmm. If they keep bringing up multiple times, that means the answer hasn't been given yet. Mm-hmm. And I think that's your job. You know, just here's just a crazy one. Is and this is in District Three. Um, the city embarked on a project to take down the the um, utility lines on Espola and put in that walking path to go all the way up to the high school, and they ran into trouble. They had projected dates, and it didn't work out. Um, but they're almost done with that project, right? Have they finished it completely yet? I think it's finally done. Mm-hmm. But it's there's I'm they, they it was poorly mismanaged because they I think it was like a million dollars off the actual cost because they didn't. This is what I understand. I could be wrong. Right. But there's like 100 feet of the wall that had to go like 50 feet down. They didn't measure that properly. So I kind of threw off the whole budget that made mm-hmm. it extend another year or two until they had the money in line to actually finish the start before you start the project, have mm-hmm. enough money to finish the project. But then when they put them in there, they put all those posts in the little the, – there's those half posts along the, along the road. Mm-hmm. They ended up putting four-foot tall ones and then they went back and cut them down to two foot. So oh. it's, like, it's like we wasted money. You wasted money, and why do you? In some places, you have those, that rope. Maybe it's aesthetics. I don't know, but we don't need aesthetics. We need a wide walkway for kids to ride up and down that to go to school. When I'm taking my daughters, drop them off because they learn they're 16 in the end of this month, so they're driving me to school, and then I drive back going down a small road and seeing kids walk walking the, uh, on that road to school is awesome because before you couldn't do it. Oh, it's treacherous. It's treacherous. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's scary, and 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 now. There's a way, mm-hmm. and that's great. It's a great addition to finally get done, mm-hmm. but did, is was all the decisions made for the best use for that long term or just fix what's right there right now? The, the cutouts, are, there's there's things that I think could have been done more visionary of what's going on in that road to make it better for us long term. Well, you know, th- this is another one that that project has been discussed <laughs> for a long time, <laughs> you know, and, and it was originally just bearing the overhead electrical lines. Right. And then it became the, the walking path. And they, you know, it, it's on one level, you kind of say, are we, you know, between that mismanagement, we have the outpost problem, yada, yada. Is it just one off cases of bad luck or is it mismanagement by our city? You know, I think depending on one's point of view, you can paint either picture. You can paint either picture. And I won't know until I start working with them. Mm-hmm. You know, sitting down with the city manager and asking the questions and over time learning his process and how he runs the city better and learn what what's he working on to make the city better. Um, I'll know that once I start those conversations. You know, it's 
until you get there, until you get in the room, you really can't have a conversation. <laughs> and the real question about is it one new person that's not status quo, two people that not status quo, or the trifecta? You know, what's happening in those rooms, we don't know because they all come out nodding the same way and yeah. asking the same que- saying the same comments. Well, they, they all have personal relationships outside of City Hall. So they, they talk amongst themselves. That's, that's where it gets kind of tricky with the Brown Act, right? right? You know, right. and you, I'm sure they won't invite me very often. So <laughs> you, until they start, maybe a year or two later, when they start liking me. Uh, well, I hope you get a chance <laughs> to at least get in there. Okay, let's let's see. There's a few more questions. Um, Yuri Bolin tells me you should DVR the game tomorrow. <laughs> You know what? We we got rid of all of our DVRs because we weren't using it. Right. Um, and now I found out that I'm like one of the only households that doesn't have a DVR. <laughs> and my friends can't believe it. So no, sorry, Yuri, we don't have a DVR. Um, and uh, from Pete Neal, are you looking forward to the forum or is it making you nervous? I'm looking forward to it. I shine in front of people. I love people. I love mm-hmm. talking in front of them. Um, I give great examples, specific examples. I don't, I don't, I don't go around topics. I'm a straightforward type of talker. And people like that. Mm-hmm. People like knowing where you actually stand. And I do my best to kind of say where I'm saying where I'm at. And people like that. And people I, I engage with people and people come up last year, last four years when I went, a lot of people ask questions afterwards. Yeah. And that's that's that connection where you make to people on the stage. Is I'm there only probably for thirty minutes with five of us talking I'm only going to talk maybe for five minutes. If you're lucky, yeah. And hopefully they're the right topics that I want to talk about to really tell the, to make sure the community knows there is a difference. And I think I'm the best difference to come up there. Well, that's kind of the beauty of this, right? Right. You know, so people really get to know me here. That's why yeah. this forum is, is really good. Because, um, yeah, you get like a 45 seconds to answer a question at the forum. Get a minute. A minute and some of them. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's better than 45 yeah, exactly. seconds. But, you know, <laughs> That event is always so great because the people that are there to witness the event, they really care about Poway, you know? And so – and every one of those people is going to vote. So, I mean, it's, it's, a, great, it's a great event. It's the just, question is how many people coming that have already decided where the vote is or how many coming undecided? That's where I really don't know the difference. But what, with the live streaming and, and the reporters and people capturing what they hear is what's important. Because I got my friends coming. Yeah. I'm sure they have their friends coming. Right. And I'm sure there's, you know, yeah. <laughs> all that gameplay and gamemanship's happening. Um, but really it comes down to it is do you connect with everybody out there? Correct. Are you listening? Do you answer the actual question they're asking? And I do pretty good at that. Yeah. I, I, and I, I can tell you're going to do very good at that. Um, because, yeah, I mean, you said you're, you're, you're a business consultant, a coach. You're, you're, you're used to speaking in front of crowds. Um, I think what's interesting on the on these events, and people have commented that the forums are interesting because the candidates have to really think on their feet, mm-hmm. and then the body language speaks volumes, especially when they're not being asked the question that they're sitting yeah. at the table listening to everyone else. Right. Um, so it's it's a it matters where you answer the answer question too. Do you want to be the first one answering or the last one? Right. You want to be the last one because you know if they throw any darts at you, you can address it in your answer. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's like, I mean, last year, when I, last time I was doing this, they, 
everyone on the table was going after me um, when I was running before. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, why are you? You're not even my race. <laughs> yeah. Stick in your zone, you know. <laughs> you're, you're not doing well in your own campaign, so work mm-hmm. on your campaign. It's, so it's like when you're when you're there talking and connecting with people, you know, they can feel it and they sense it. And I think it's a great opportunity to really. Um, speak your truth and, and tell you what you want for your city. I have a vision for the community, and that's how we can be more involved and really be proud of the decisions the city council is making, not waiting back and wondering who's going to force us to do the next bad decision. Are you having fun? I love it. I love it. You know, you know that when a lot of questions, why are you running? You know, and, and that really came down to when I decided to run. It was, you know. My daughters were our so- sophomores, and so if I did su- su- uh, the school board again, I'd only have two years that I'd be able to actually impact my kids in school. Mm-hmm. Then my kids would not be there. And I think a student, I think a person on the school board should have kids in the school. Agreed. Especially when you have going through that we just went through with COVID, you want a person on the board to make decisions that would affect their kids, not somebody else's. Mm-hmm. And so I sat there going, you know what? It's not going to be the best use of my time. To go to this, I could make an impact for two years, definitely. I might make good decisions after that too, but people would wonder where am I coming from. But now when I sit back and I said, how can I make a significant impact to my community? And when I heard John Mullen was retiring and the seat was open, I thought, you know, this is an opportunity for me to take the knowledge I've gained through my other time meeting with a bunch of people. Northern Poway, Barry Leonard in my area was very active in my campaign last time, and I met a lot of great Powagians. And I know I could make a good good council member because I can listen, learn, and lead better. Listen, learn, and lead. There you go. It works. Mm -hmm. Now, we have covered – a lot. I mean, how how long are we gone? We're at an hour and forty three. You believe that? And I told uh, you I was here till midnight. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's no Padre you'd games. You had three. You had three hours before. I thought maybe maybe. <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, it's all good. And, and you know, you got a busy schedule. I'm sure you know. <laughs> I know we got. And and you know, like I I really I'm going to take this podcast. I'll chop it into pieces, right. like I did for Hiram's, uh, and it makes it more interesting for people. They'll be able to consume little bite-sized nuggets rather than sitting through almost two hours. But, you know, we've talked already. I kind of have a list here. We talked about your background. We asked why you're running. We've asked what the voters are telling you. We've talked a little bit about water and public safety, climate change, um, what you're learning. We talked about Poway Road. We've talked about the farms. We talked about Twin Peaks. Um, We talked about how you're different from your competition. I mean, what have we not talked about that you think is important to share with the voters? What do I love about Poway? Well, tell us. You know, I, my wife was the one that found our house. I was like, we were at the point where I was like done. I was just tired of getting outbid, outbid, outbid. And she just followed a sign and said open house. And, and she found our house. And then we were lucky enough that it fell out of, fell out of contract. So we were there to pick it up and move in there. And I, I know Poway from just being around that we had our, my kids, Seventh birthday, I believe, or eighth birthday, we had Old Town, and we made the whole Little House on the Prairie hats for them, and we had the whole, <laughs> you know, community, you know, the feel of the – brought the scrub. We went to the river and did clothes. Really? Was, yeah, we just – as much as we can make it authentic, kind of feel like we're there. Yeah. Then they rode the train, you know, and I was like, this is a great community. It is. And, and you go by Poway, the old Poway Park, it's always used. There's people always there. Oh, yeah. 24-7 it's, it's like almost. I wish that could be a little bigger, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's it's just it's a wonderful community. I have awesome neighbors. 
You know, I don't know. I, I've lived in other communities where people don't talk to your neighbors. You know, in Poway, people talk to each other. They're not, af- they're not afraid to look over the fence and shake a hand, you know, mm-hmm. and they're not afraid to, to break bread on the, on the summertime, you know. So it's like that's what I love about Poway is how many – how we all can get along and get along, you know, and get connected. Um, you know, I, I have no ill with my competitors. I think they're both two great guys, and I wish them all the best. Um, and I think that's where Poway gets with true good poly, Poway politics could be. It's how we all just respect all of our positions. They're different. They're going to bring different skill sets. But I believe I think we can do better, and I think I can bring that better. Right on. Well, good luck to you in your campaign. I know you were. The, have the ballots arrived in people's homes yet? I think there's. I got my announcement that it's here, but they didn't forgot that today's. Columbus Day, Nidgetus Day, where yeah. the mailing the mail doesn't yeah. come through. It's so, but tomorrow, I think majority of people are going to have it in their mailbox, and they can start voting. And the hardest know, part is getting people to go down the ballot. Oh yeah. So just know for everybody's listening from Poway, what makes a difference? Yeah, the top of the ticket is is fun to vote for because you see that on the commercials. But the one that really makes a difference is the ones at the bottom of the ticket. It's from people from Poway. How are we going to run our schools? How's the mayor going to be acting? How what student? What, what's the city council and what's their conversation? What's the personality they're going to bring? You know, you make that choice. And the more everybody gets that ballot and mails it in as quick as possible, then you know you're not going to forget it. And let's let's make it a good race. Yeah, it's. Uh you know, so many people vote by mail. I mean, the percentage is huge. Well, it was before, too. Yeah. It's interesting. The statistic from when I ran four years ago is it was like by – after the ballots came, two weeks later, is like 33 percent of the votes are done. Mm-hmm. Now it's not as high because people like to sit on them and see if things change mm-hmm. because now everybody does it. So they're not like, I got to get in there so it gets to the mail. And so it's, it's kind of different. But now Powie's always had – 85, 83, 90% participation. We have one of the highest participated um, communities that vote, and that's just awesome. That means our voice can be heard if we just do the work. And they're going to have an opportunity. They will. They, it, could flip the, it could flip the board to three brand new voices and see where it lines. You know, there's, there's five people running for mayor. There's two people in District 2 or District 1 and three of us in District 3. You know, that's a lot of great opportunities and a lot of different experiences, different viewpoints. It can change. It can improve our future or stay the track. Yeah. It's an important decision for Poway. Um, and there's so much going on right now in Poway. I mean, for the longest time, you know, Poway was – everything was great. You know, <laughs> there was really no controversies in our town. Now there's a lot that's happening that I think are giving challengers an opportunity to win. They're giving change candidates an opportunity to win. So that's why I think your race is fascinating. And so is the other one. And the change that I'm really bringing is just questions. It's bringing better questions to the council. Mm -hmm. It's being, making people accountable for different things and making sure we're transparent as much as possible. Mm-hmm. The change I'm bringing is what you want in your family, what you want in your kitchen table. Mm-hmm. It's not something you want on a TV screen, you know, telling on a commercial. It's something that you want to sit there and know, you know what? Kevin's going to make the best choice for me and my family to the best of his ability. I'm not going to make them all right, but I'll do my best. And if I make a mistake, I have no problems saying this is what I did. I've, lo- I've made the wrong choice, but I'm going to do better next time. And hopefully I've earned the vote to do that. Well, thank you for joining us. 
You have, you have a good time tonight doing oh, this? This is great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I get another chance to sit down with you. Um, and we, I've learned a lot more about you. I feel more informed as a voter. I kind of held district. stuff back so I didn't show all my cards. At the <laughs> no. same, <you> know? <laughs> so this is all good. So, um, so good luck in the race. Good luck tomorrow night. Thank you. Um, and to, you know, I know you'll make a great impression. And um, you know the finish line is in sight. Right? It is. It is. It's great. My family can't wait. Because <laughs> the, the hardest part of campaigns is not just what the candidate's going through because it's an emotional roller coaster, self-confidence, self-doubt, mm-hmm. oh, God. listening. Yeah. How, do, how do I best word this? Oh, shoot, I made a typo and the email just went out. You know, all this <laughs> yeah, stuff yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's small little things, but you see it as a big caveat. And then our, our families have to sit there and, and support us, you know, and help us through it or dig in and help us with canvassing or dig in and hold our signs, you know, whatever. Yeah. And and find time to support us in the community themselves. So it's not just the candidates that will be working hard the next month. It's going to be our families and our friends that support us too. Yeah, they're going to be happier than you when the election is over, right? <laughs> <laughs> so then, they will. Then, so, you know, things will relax a little. Yes. But if, if you're fortunate enough to win, then it's a whole other transformation for the family. It's going to be fun. It'll, It'll be, be a lot of fun. It'll be a great journey. You meet some great people mm-hmm. and, and be in some great conversations. And that's what I want to do. Well, good luck to you, Kevin. Thank you, John. All right. Appreciate it. Okay, friends. Thanks again. This is episode number 289 Whew, of the number. John Robert. It's yeah, a good getting, number. It's a big number. 289. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So we're going to get up close to 300. So everybody, um, the, the Poway Community Forum is tomorrow night, Tuesday the 11th. At 6 p.m. at the P- at the Mickey Cafania Center, the you know the new community center down by uh, Poway Community Park. You need to go to the chamber to get your tickets. Oh, you have to go to the chamber to get the tickets. Yep, there's free tickets, but they need to control the number of people coming in because there's limited space. Okay, so make sure they go to the the chamber to order your tickets. Okay, and you can attend that. Hopefully, there's going to be some people live streaming, and. Um, and then you can join us here on the John Riley Project. We're going to have um, Delta Esparza will be here on Friday. She's a candidate for mayor. Um, on Monday will be Patrick Batten, is a Poway Unified School District candidate. On Tuesday will be one of your competitors. It will be Tony Russo um, a week from tomorrow. And then on Wednesday the 19th will be Yuri Boland will be joining us here in the podcast studio. So, you know, I make this uh, uh, podcast is open to all political candidates. If you are a candidate or you know a candidate that would like to be on this podcast, you can send me an email at john at johnreillyproject.com or just go to my website, johnreillyproject.com for more information. And we'd be happy to have you. Although the clock is ticking and we're getting closer <laughs> to election day and the and the pamphlets are out and we have to navigate around the Padre playoff schedule. <laughs> so it'll be tough. Okay, anyways, we've gone long enough. Kevin, thank you. Thank you, John. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you, everyone. If you enjoyed today's show, do me a favor, subscribe and then share it with a friend or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let's continue the conversation on social media. Go to connectwithjohnny.com to get links to our social media content, audio podcast platforms, and to sign up for our mailing list. To be a guest, read my blog, or get more information, please visit johnreillyproject.com to get started. <laughs>